Welcome to the Lakeside Baptist Church Podcast. We pray you are blessed as you hear the Word of God today. For more information regarding Lakeside Baptist Church, please visit lakeside.asn.au. from God's Word and continuing the series, as Braden said, on an excellent church. A reminder that we, we look at this excellent church from the perspective of, of the church being a bride and, and Christ being uh, the groom and the head of this church and we do what he calls us to do in his name. This morning I want to share with you uh, about a yoked church, a yoked church, uh, a church that is united and together. Now, the things that uh, we say today, or I say today, um, obviously uh, need to apply to all churches, uh, and so it's not because there are, there are, it's not because there are divisions in our church that I'm preaching this, but as we go through the series, there are some passages that we need to go through, uh, and this particular one is not directed, it is directed at our church, but not because of divisions. It's to avoid divisions, if that makes sense. And so the passage is Acts 2, verse 44. And it says this in the New International Version and then in the message, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And the message says, and all the believers lived in wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. Uh, There is an account uh, of the story that somebody sent to me during the week, and it's about a a man uh, on a cliff. Uh, You can see that picture in the next slide, and it it says, uh, it's a story about a man that was walking across a bridge one day um, and, and saw a man standing on the edge about to jump off. And this man, assuming it's me, said, I immediately ran over and said, stop, don't do it. Why shouldn't I, he said. I said, well, there's so much to live for. Like what? Well, are you religious or atheist? The man said, religious. Me too. Are you Christian or Jewish? Christian or me too. Are you Catholic or Protestant? Protestant or me too. Are you Episcopalian or Baptist? (coughs) Baptist. Wow, me too. Are you original Baptist, Church of God, or are you Reformed Baptist, Church of God? Reformed Baptist, Church of God, said. Well, me too. Are you Reformed Baptist, Church of God, Reformation of 1879, or Reformed Baptist, Church of God, Reformation of 1915? Reformed Baptist Church, Reformation of 1915. To which I said, die, you heretic, and pushed him off. All said in jest, but when it comes to being united, there's a lot of intolerance in the church today, and capital C, the universal church today. And a lot of times, if people don't agree with each other, they withdraw and don't come back to church because we don't tolerate one another. So I want to ask us a question this morning. 
how many denominations are there in the world? How many do you think? Just shout out. 3,000? 3, We've got a 3,000 over here. Anybody else? 10,000? Anybody else? 15,000, okay. Somebody said 50,000? Well, it's 45,000, including GST, 50,000. So, 45... <laughs> there are more than 45,000 denominations globally. Followers of Jesus span the globe, but the global body of more than 2 billion Christians is separated into thousands of different denominations. And so... There are many churches that lack unity. In fact, there was a split in this one church, and uh, that particular group that split went somewhere else. They called it the Church of Unity. And that's all well and good, but the church needs to exhibit unity before it can be called unity. And so that's an important point to make. Charles Hodge says, The church is everywhere, represented as one. It is one body, one family, one fold, one kingdom. It is one because pervaded by one spirit, we all baptize into one spirit as to become one body. My favorite author Joseph Aldrich, in his book, Lifestyle Evangelism, Lifestyle Evangelism, says it this way. Unity is another divine, divine signpost for our non-Christian friends. It, like love, focuses their attention at the right direction. God, as it were, surfaces and becomes visible when believers dwell together in unity. Paul's instruction in Ephesians 4, verses 2 and 3, link love and unity together. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. We know in John 17, we read that in our Lord's prayer for his bride, may they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I'm just amazed at many cults that are around and, and even misguided little fringe groups that are around and how much unity and success there is in these little cults. And in fact, if you analyze what they believe in, uh, it's way more difficult than having faith in Jesus Christ and following the biblical principles. But when you look at how they grow and find themselves successful, you see that there is a lot of hard work, firstly, but also there is a lot of outreach and evangelism. There's a lot of sharing their story. And it, I don't walk around and say how bad my family are. No, I want to share a story that is a good news story. And so the bride is to share good news stories of what God is doing, telling the story. As one of my lecturers said, chit-chatting the gospel, that we share our good news stories of who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
But as you look at some of these cults and these fringe groups, there's, there's this unity because there is a, a common vision and a common goal. And they're all tracking in the right direction. There is this singular purpose. And that unity is like a beautiful bride that attracts people. Why? Because they're united. There are no divisions as it were. And they're all on the same page. In that next slide, you'll see uh, that there is uh, what we uh, understand to be a yoke. Now, uh, that, that yoke is a device that's joined between two animals. In that middle picture, uh, if you don't have two animals joined together and you're trying to plow, the one will pull the one way and the other one will pull the other way and you will never be able to plow properly. But you put a yoke together so they can go in the right direction, that there is unity and no division, if you like, for them to go in the same direction and there can be straight lines. And so it should be with a group of people uh, following the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the early church was a yoked church. It was a church that were together. They would exhibit this level of unity and oneness. And when people saw them, they were very attracted to them. In fact, if you read uh, near the end of, of Acts 2, verses 42 to 47, and near the end there, it talks about uh, they had favor with all they came in touch with. Why? Because there was unity. They were attracted to this group of believers because they were beautiful. And when the bride is beautiful, uh, people stop and look. And so just two points. The first one is, uh, the first part of verse 44, there was wonderful harmony. Wonderful harmony. And, and, and that word uh, that we read about that all believers were together, it's an interesting, it's two words, epiaftos, which is actually, it, it talks about, they were actually, uh, it, it's a little bit complicated when you combine those two words together in this particular context. They were against themselves, if you like. In other words, they were outward looking. There was not that selfishness. But when they came together, they put that selfishness aside. And so they were effective together. And so they began to be outward focused rather than focus on egocentric self. And uh, on the day of Pentecost, we read that they came together and they were all in that one place. And in verse 46, it says, every day they continued to meet together. And that, uh, you know, continued to meet together, uh, it, they, they had one mind. Uh, there was one purpose. There was one passion. Uh, they, they, they persevered and didn't faint because they were together. They were united and so there was that power in that unification. And there is um, something really amazing uh, about togetherness. Uh, you know, and, and so w when we come to faith in Christ, it's to, it's to become part of a community. Now, folk, there are times that we, we need to stay at home and look at it you know, online. But please don't stay home uh, and watch it online because... You just feel that, you know, the sun's not out or something like that. Because there is something unique about getting together. 
It's hard to hug the television. It's hard to hug uh, something else. It's hard to, to hug something online. It's when we get together that there is this unity and togetherness. There's a beautiful Greek word about uh, togetherness, the word kinonia, koinonia. It's a uniquely Christian word because it's holy people who get together because they are holy. And because they are holy, they get together and there's that holiness among them, that t- togetherness, this wonderful harmony. And so they were able to get together and be yoked together. And so God puts us physically together, different shapes, different sizes, but we are yoked and we're all pulling in the same direction. Why? Because Jesus is the head and we are the different parts of the body. And so we function together. Uh, Something really bad happened yesterday. Uh, The Matildas lost the soccer. And so when... When somebody goes down, it's kind of the whole team hurts, you see. But then we pray and the person stands up. <laughs> but that's how it is with the body, you see. When, when, when one part is hurting, then the whole body hurts. Now, do not try this at home. But when you slam your finger in the door, it's kind of you walk out of there and you don't even know it, but you start limping. And, and so... You know, you kind of go, ouch, my finger, ouch. You know, so what happened to your leg? No, I slammed my finger in the door. But why are you limping? I don't know. But my finger really hurts. Because the whole body hurts. And so you don't feel well. But these people got together and they were able to uh, be united together and build one another up. You know, when those 120 were waiting uh, in the upper room for the Holy Spirit to come down. Uh, they waited there uh, for, uh, for quite a while. And while they waited, I'm just wondering, what do you think they did? You know, do you think they prayed the whole time until the Holy Spirit fell? No. They would have prayed. They would have shared their lives together. They would have spoken about their fears. They would have spoken about their hopes. Some of the hesitations that they might have had. Uh, they, they began to develop relationships and got to know one another. They became one. And the Holy Spirit fell on them. Why? Because they became a team, a community. There was harmony together. There was kinonia, that fellowship, that intimacy, as they did things together. There was this joint participation is what that word means. And so that only happens when you and I get together. Whether we like pumpkin soup or not, we get together. Why? Because there'll be more than just pumpkin soup. There will be other stuff. But more importantly, there will be that togetherness as we spend time together. And you know what the scary thing is? We get to know each other. And you know what's even better? We get to like one another. And over food, wow, what a blessing. And so don't stay away next week. I'll be watching who's going to be away, and I'll eat your soup. Listen, so, so it's, it's when we get together, and there's that commonality. And folks, that's important because the world has changed. 
I don't need to explain this to you. You know that the world has changed. When I was a boy, Sundays were religious days where it was set out for church. Although we had a fish and chip shop, granddad would come and pick us up and put all these little fat Greeks in the back of his car. And, uh, you know, he'd race us off to church so we could be in time uh, for, for church. It was religious. Uh, there was no shopping on a Sunday. There certainly was no sport on a Sunday. And so the church was powerful and it spoke out into the community. Now things have changed. And so we need to be together. Because uh, if we don't, then we, we're going to kind of split and, and be apart. And so we need to be together. The early church, there was wonderful harmony. And they were all tracking together. Secondly, there was this unity. It says uh, in the second part of, of verse 44 in Acts 2, all the believers were together and had everything in common. That They were equally together. They were equally together. There was no major, oh, I'm better than the other. And so Paul writes to them and, and has some harsh words with them. That early church was united. They had everything in common. There was this unity. Uh, it was uh, one for all and all for one. It wasn't kind of this Western mentality that we have uh, where every man for himself. It was a body of believers where Jesus was the head and the people were part of the body of Christ. And so there was this conscious choice uh, made by Christians to pull together despite their differences. Now in Acts 15, shortly after the church is kind of born... There is this conflict about meat offered to idols and unclean food. And they get together, and we call that the Jerusalem Council. So there was robust discussion, but they agreed together, and they moved forward in unity. And so they realized that the church is not theirs, the church is God's. And they would put their differences to side and believe that he is the supreme one and they are to serve him. And so they were able to experience that unity because it all revolved not around egocentric self, but it all revolved around God. And so they were able to set aside different opinions and to ask, what is God's will? What is God's plan? What is his purpose for us? And Paul writes to the church in Corinth. Now, folks, this is probably uh, close to what was taking place in the book of Acts as he goes and, and later plants churches not far from uh, what happened uh, in the early church. And, and so he writes in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starts off with a beautiful greeting, but then from verse 10 he, he gets stuck into them. Why? Because there were divisions that were occurring. And he writes and he says, Now I exhort you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree that there be no divisions divisions among you, but you be made complete in the same mind and in the same judgment. For I've been informed concerning you, my brethren, by Chloe's people, that there are quarrels among you. Now I mean this, that each one of you is saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, and I'm of Cephas, and I'm of Christ. And so the, this plea that there are quarrels among them is because the one says that they are better than the other one. 
You see, I am of Paul, and so I'm better. I am of Apollos and of Cephas. Now, these were great preachers, and some of them came to faith because of these great preachers, because of the content of what they heard, because of perhaps the style of their preaching. But they came to faith, and they say, no, I follow this one. No, 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 I'm better because I follow this one. In fact, there is a fourth group who are the super religious ones who say, but I follow Christ. The problem with that particular group of people that say that they only follow Christ is that they would take no correction or teaching from any other human apostle. And so even they were out of line. And so what Paul is saying to them, listen, you cannot have any special claim on anybody. Because it is Christ that is the one that is important. And we focus on him. And I want to suggest to you this morning, unreservedly suggest to you this morning, that the main reason that we have divisions is because of selfishness. And I want it done my way. It's what I like and it's my opinion. And folk, that is extremely dangerous because, uh, you know, James chapter 4 verse 1 says, What is the source of quarrels and conflict among you? Is it not the source, your pleasures, that wage war in your members? In other words, what I want. And and the words that he uses are really strong words. The word quarrel there is a word um, that is actually used for war, polemos. There is polemic attitudes. There are, you know, polemic desires. There is war, there are fights, and there's conflict going on. And the word he uses for, for conflict is actually the word machi, um, where we, we get the word strife and fighting. A, a, a macheri is something that cuts something in half. You know, we're going around spiritually stabbing one another, he's saying, because of our own opinions, and it's causing conflict. And so he's saying, be careful because of your own selfish desires. Now, folk, the opposite of this is 1 Corinthians 13. And that's the love chapter. So Paul writes to the church, and there's conflict and quarrels and divisions. And, you know, speaking about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and then carrying on explaining 1 Corinthians 14 with the gifts. And then in the middle is 1 Corinthians 13. And what is that all about? Well, it's about love. And as he explains that, um, he, he says that the, this love is, is an important concept. And as you understand these characteristics, love is all about the other person. It's all about the other person. And so he says uh, these characteristics, love is patient. Not with self, with the other person when they mess up. Love is kind. In other words, the other person. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not self-seeking. It's not jealous. It, it doesn't focus on the evil, but focuses on the good. You see, it's about the other person. Carries on and, and you know, it, it protects, it trusts, it hopes, and it always perseveres. That's what love does. And the opposite of that is quarrels and conflicts. Devouring one another. I'll never forget my first year at Bible college. Um, you know, after two weeks, you know everything. And, and so I'd been there for two weeks and uh, having this massive theological discussion. I was 
two weeks in, uh, I was having a discussion about a third year, and I said, listen, you're going to go to hell if you believe that, you know. And uh, it was really sad, really, really sad. And, and another student came past and said, why are you devouring one another? And I thought, he's so spot on. We're taking chunks out of one another. We kind of are, are taking this, this knife and cutting pieces out of one another. Why? Because, you know, we're not very teachable. <laughs> well, I certainly, hopefully became teachable after those two weeks. But you know what? I was going to hold on to what I believed. Well, why go to Bible college then? Why study if you're not going to be teachable? And so it, it was an interesting, interesting experience. And so when we begin to focus on that, you know, uh, it makes sense what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10. When I was a child, I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Why? Because a child is selfish and does not share. A child, and that's why marriage is not for children. Let me say that again. <laughs> That's why marriage is not for children, because children are selfish. Four lollies, I've got, and another kid's got one lolly. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to take that one lolly away. Can you share your four lollies, just give one? No. No. Why? Because the more I can have, the better. And so that whole idea of, of you know, sharing, and that's why in marriage it's all about the other person. It's all about the other person as we nudge one another. And so what Paul is trying to do is to try and eliminate divisions in the local church by wanting them to understand that they are to love one another and focus on the other person rather that I am right and I'm right all the time. My wife says that to me. She reminds me. Obviously, she's wrong. But listen, <laughs> it's about the other person. But we don't even give one another a chance to explain ourselves. And so it causes divisions in the local church. And Paul writes, and he says to them, that you may all agree. In fact, that's why Jesus prayed that uh, high priestly prayer in, in John 17, 11. This is to, <laughs> the, Jesus knew that we were going to be more than 45,000 different denominations. And so what does he pray? That they may all be one. I looked up that Greek word for one. It's the word is, E-I-S. And it just says one. Explanation, one. A little bit more, one. What do you mean? Well, that they may all be one, even as thou, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. So the world can see that you and I are one, is, and they can see, wow, we want to be part of that. We want to be part of that. Why? Because there's this wonderful harmony. There is this unity among them. 
And so the, he, Paul prays uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that, that there is this full agreement. That word uh, for full agreement, um, has got to, it's a beautiful uh, picture of w- when you want to frame something, you don't make that picture bigger than the frame. Yeah? You've got to have the picture and you've got to have the frame to fit that picture. And that's what he's saying, that there is agreement that when you put something together, that there is agreement, or else it's going to break, or else it's not going to look good in the the picture and the frame illustration. And so he says that, that, you know, repair and adjust it to fit. When you go, uh, uh, if you've got nets when you go fishing, you don't fish with broken nets. He's saying make them work together because the fish will slip through and you'll catch nothing. Not even is, not even one. Make sure that it's together, together. Repair it, mend it, he's saying. And so, say, be careful. Now, folk, I know this is so un-Australian. We, we, you know, each one to his own, and we need to be perfectly united and have similar opinions and judgments. What? Are you serious? That's not who we are. You know, we, we need to have our own opinion. Well, Paul is saying that's okay. But in the church, we are to be of one opinion, to sing off the same hymn sheet because it could divide us. And he, he, say, he says that, that, that there are to be no divisions. And the word that he uses is the word schismata, where we get the English word schism. There is to be, and that word means, listen, be careful, that, that you don't have kind of schisms, because it's hard to put it back together. It's hard to put it back together. And so be careful that there are no schisms. You can put it back together, but it will not be fully repaired unless we put our selfish desires to one side. Be careful, he's saying. What is Christ's opinion in this whole thing? And if we both get together and we try and find out what is Christ's opinion through the reading of the scriptures, through finding out what it says, then we will be uh, in a way better place, is what Paul is saying. In fact, what he also says is that be careful because there, there, there could be some younger believers around and because we push our own opinion and our own desires, we could become a stumbling block for those weaker, pers- weaker people. And so make sure that we, we are together in this. He reminds us in Romans 12 verse 5, We who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. By virtue that we belong to Christ, we belong to one another. But who do we belong to first? To Christ. And then we begin to seek how we can add value to one another rather than uh, selfishness. So unity among ourselves is essential to carrying out the glory of God. In that last picture there, you'll see um, some fish. 
uh, and I read this during the week, it's uh, this, uh, a fish called the gold saddle goatfish. The gold saddle goatfish. It's a small fish native to Hawaiian reefs with a distinctive coloring. In the past few years, divers in Hawaii have come across a fascinating phenomenon. During their regular dives, they've begun to notice a large fish with the same brilliant colors as the gold saddle goatfish. Upon closer inspection, the divers realized this wasn't one large fish, but in fact a school of gold saddlefish swimming together in such impressive unity and in such a perfect fish-shaped pattern as to appear like one imposingly large fish, not to be trifled with. It turns out when the gold saddlefish feels threatened, they join together, unified in fish formation, to appear much larger. The gold saddled goatfish provides an important lesson for those facing threats. Do we turn inward, trusting only ourselves, or do we huddle up with our neighbors, our friends, or even our churches to face the oncoming storm? Be in a global pandemic or something of a local variety. Stuart Strachan says that we get together, we are better together. Later on, we read in Acts 4, verses 31 and 32 in that next slide that says, And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And so let us be careful. Let us be careful that we don't fall in that trap uh, that causes divisions among ourselves because people get hurt in the process, but as we are one together, so there is that unity, that togetherness, that united harmony, and the world sees that we are one and we become that attractive bride. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you, Lord, that it's not in our own strength that we ask for unity, but by the power of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we pray that you'll come and that you'll fill our hearts, that we might build one another up, that we might, might edify the body of Christ, one another, and together, we will glorify your name. Together, Lord, we will make your name famous, even to the ends of the earth. Thank you for the unity here at Lakeside. Thank you for the togetherness and the harmony. Thank you that we're able to, to gather together and talk and pray together. May we reflect this to those that come into contact with us, Lord, for your honor and for your glory. In Jesus' name.